What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, and we're going to try and do this very quickly because the Mormons are mowing again, and it's really loud. Uh, my name is Matt Hensley, and I am joined as always by Kyle Non-Alcoholic Beerman, and we did not plan this, but both of us are wearing some Whataburger regalia. You, with the yep. Corpus Christi hooks, yep. uh, maybe you're kind Honey of- butter chicken biscuits. A passive, uh, you know, Astros win last night. I really doubt it. Me with the Y'all Need Whataburger shirt. And we are sponsored not by Whataburger, but Southwestern Seminary. And at Southwestern Seminary, you can be confident that you'll be equipped for ministry by a scripturally grounded and confessionally guided faculty. The Bible is the primary textbook in every classroom at Southwestern. Uh, but replanting rural churches is not for some reason. But <laughs> member of the faculty, while they have probably read replanting rural churches, uh, actually, I doubt they have, but they are dedicated to the inerrant, authoritative, insufficient, not another heresy. No, the word of God, as well as the Baptist faith and message 2000. You can learn more at swibbits.edu forward slash about Swibbits. Hey, we love you guys. We're grateful for you. And exciting days on Seminary Hill as they have announced Dr. David Dockery as the president and Dr. O.S. Hawkins. Can we come up with our own first and middle name for him? I, um, no, I'm not going to do that. Hey, I just want to point out they are both former guests on Not Another Baptist Podcast. So we are basically like, we are the king makers, man. Here we go. (laughs) Oswald Smith. (laughs) You should ask him what it really, what what it actually is. But I I, I don't know. I should know. I'm sure it's like public knowledge. I know. I should know that as well. But Oswald, he looks like an Oswald. Sullivan. Let's go with Sullivan. Oswald Sullivan. Oswald Sullivan. Oswald Sullivan Hawkins. No, he's going to be the (laughs) chancellor, I believe. And uh, so exciting days you got. Uh, I mean, I think you and I would agree, and I think a lot of people would agree, probably the leading theologian in the Southern Baptist Convention right now uh, is is Dr. Dockery. And so you have him at the helm and, uh, and Dr. Hawk, Haw- Dr. Hawkins, uh, known for the ability to fundraise and lead and all that, like just a great duo there. So we're grateful for them. And grateful for Swibbits and encourage you. We were kind of playing around with the uh, the ad copy there with replanting rural churches. Uh, don't worry about that book. Uh, it's old and uh, it's still in print and you could buy our kids uh, braces. Uh, but we would rather you visit swibbits.edu forward slash about to find out about Southwestern Seminary and what God is doing there. Kyle. Uh, we got to see each other this week. We don't get to do that too often, and it was about as bad as I remember. Uh, but we got to be in Mount Lebanon for the Renew Retreat and uh, had, I don't know, 80, 90, 100 people. It was a good crowd uh, to listen to Mark Clifton wax eloquently and uh, you wax non-eloquently and everybody else wax somewhere in between. And uh, But today, we are not talking about why churches die. That's a wonderful thing. Like we've moved on, I think. Are we done with that? Are we done for good? Yeah, Are you... yeah churches don't die anymore. Yeah, they're no, no. Yeah. Okay. You know what? We, I mean, that that's an open ended. I think we had eight in the series. That's an open ended blog series. So you know, as okay. we discover new 
ways that churches, churches figure out why. Churches well, are creative in how they can discover how yes, new ways to are. die. When, hey, if you find a new way for your church to die, please let us know. Hensleym yep. at gmail.com. And yep. we'll talk about it. Uh, yes. We might even feature you on the replant blog. But today, uh, we're going to talk about why sermons stink. No, I'm just kidding. Five types of sermon that fall short. Kyle, Mark Halleck, friend of the pod, friend of you, yep. friend of ours, very intense guy, very tall guy. Great very hair, tall. by the way. Uh, we're going to talk about his article, number one, and all of these, I love it because they're they're just dripping with sarcasm. Number one, I want to show just how creative and clever I am, right? So number one, a sermon that falls short. I want to just show you how creative, how clever I am. Here is a seven-point alliterated sermon that also spells, I don't know. Well, you couldn't alliterate and spell that. No, 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 it's your... uh, plethora of perfectly punctuated points, right? Yes. To, yes. To, to let everybody know, hey, I spent probably more time in the thesaurus than I spent in the Bible. Yeah. And, so uh, this is the one where it's like, man, that guy should have had a career in stand-up comedy, maybe, you know, whatever it might be. But this sermon is preached by the guy who is pretty unique and wants everybody to notice. <laughs> like he's creative, clever, he's outside of the box. And uh, that's right where he wants to be, and uh, he's not in the lane. Like he, he's kind of out, out of the pocket. Uh, but this sermon aims to get the listener thinking in new and original ways about Jesus and the Bible. Right? You've never which, heard it this way before. Which probably leads to heresy. If, yeah, you, if you're, <laughs> we have a book to help you avoid that. It's called Not yes. Heresy. You can get it uh, for the low, low price of about fifteen dollars on Amazon because that's how much it costs to print it. Uh, but many come to hear this kind of sermon simply for the unpredictable and entertaining nature of it. And hey, before we before you talk about this, you've kind of set me up for that kind of stuff because you're like, hey, Matt with the live mic, that's unpredictable. That's going to be entertaining. <laughs> it might not be good. Uh, but th- this is the idea. So, you know, this is the type of sermon where the guy is just, look how great, how awesome, unique, how creative. I am. Here's this. We've never seen Jesus this way before. Now, what we're not saying is be boring and, uh, you know, not look at God's word anew and fresh, be exciting and engaging. We're not saying none of like, don't do that stuff. But at the same time, like, (laughs) like, man, this this is just where people get in trouble, man. Uh, you know, look how creative and clever I am. Kyle, let's talk about that. Yeah. Like I said, this is, I'm looking ahead here. I I think these are, this is probably the one that's most dangerous to invent new heresy, right? (laughs) To step off, because if you want to present Jesus in a way he's never been presented before, um, in in all the 2,000-year history of Christianity, you're most likely going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with being creative, right? But so easy just to go overboard and and to try to try to go too far. Um, and really, I mean, you, you can preach a good sermon that's simple. You, you do not have to break new ground. You do not have to invent new ways to describe Jesus. The the Bible does a pretty good job of that. So I think this is where we would say. Um, Preach the Bible and let it speak for itself. You don't have to dress it up. 
like, like keep in mind here, the, the Bible, the, the, the creator of the universe is more creative than you are. And you're sharing the coolest news that's ever, that, that, that's, that's ever been proclaimed, that, that Jesus was dead and he rose from the grave. You do not have to dress that up. That's enough by itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sermon series, I, man, I, because I don't want to argue with you on the show about whether or not it's appropriate to say it, because some just started flooding the mind of different sermon series that were out there and in the news before. We don't have to. <laughs> if it made the news, them. probably not. Yeah. That's, if it made <laughs> the news may, for a good thing, that's one thing. Uh, if it's like, <laughs> look at this idiot. You know, Florida man has announced this sermon series that is totally, wholly inappropriate. Uh, yeah, that's probably not it. So, so number one, now you know who I'm talking about. Number one, I want to show how creative and clever I am. Don't do it. Like, don't invent new ways to be a heretic. Leave that to me. Number two, I want to be real, authentic, and vulnerable at all costs. I want oh, to be goodness. so transparent with all of my struggles, all of my sins, all of my shortcomings, that I'm going to share every minute detail of my fallen nature in the pulpit and make everybody super duper uncomfortable where it's going to end up being incredibly inappropriate, probably borderline R-rated, maybe even NC-17, and just don't, right? Yeah. The attention-grabbing illustrations of your struggles I just don't. One, like you, here, here's just a pro tip that I've started to do. I didn't always do this, so don't don't think I'm this great loving father. Um, <laughs> I, I try to be, but now what I do is when I am going to consider using one of our girls or my wife in a sermon illustration, this should have been Captain Obvious before. I go and ask them. Hey, here's here's my my point. Here's what I was going to say. You good with that? And if they're not, you know what I do? I change the names it. and I tell it anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't use it. So uh, I want to be real authentic and vulnerable at all costs. Be, be yeah. just real. Now, again, the opposite is also not true. Like, we don't get in there and be phony, inauthentic, and that you don't struggle with anything. This is just not where the sermon time is airing your dirty laundry time. Um, that's what we're kind of talking about here, because everybody in the, the pews are going to cringe the whole way. Uh, so let's talk about that, Kyle. What about the guy that thinks the most important thing about the ser sermon is just being real and vulnerable and just share all of my baggage every week? Yeah. Like That's the other thing. Like This is the guy that does it like weekly. Like. So, so th there is some truth to this, right? You do want to be real and authentic. And, and vulnerable. vulnerable. Yes. I think um, the keys that that, at all costs and like, yes, all. yes. That, that comes really, um, when you are the same person in the pulpit that you are meet, uh, greeting people after church that you are when you see someone in Walmart or in a restaurant or at a football game, right? So, so you're not you're not putting on like a, a a fake persona when you step into the pulpit. You're not you're not changing your per personality when you step into the pulpit. That this that's how you're real and authentic and vulnerable. 
Um, it's okay to share um, about life experiences. It is not okay to overshare about life experiences. I've seen this more in personal testimony time than in preaching, um, where you have a guy who will take a 15, 20-minute testimony and say it's 20 minutes, and 15 minutes is all about the stuff he did before he came to Jesus. And then, you know, the last, like, two minutes is, and then I got saved, and now I'm in church every week, and thank you for listening to me, right? And and so, like, what you do, and part of that is is you go, your listeners will go, wait, what? What was it about the second part of that that was supposed to make me say the first part of that was not worth it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then also, we thankfully, I think this has kind of stopped, but we kind of went through a fad or it was almost cool and acceptable to use vulgar language uh, while you were preaching, like drop some, you know, four letter words in there just to say, oh, you know, hey, I still, I'm still cool. I still use these words. Um, and just you don't have to do that again. This goes back to I, I need to I need to let everyone know you know how great a savior Jesus is and how messed up I am. Listen, if they get to know you, they're going to realize that anyway. You don't have to play it up. You don't have to overshare. All you have to say is, listen, there, there are struggles in my life. I'm not perfect. Um, Jesus is still working on me as well. And everyone else, I think, will go good. Yeah. Him too, right? You, you yeah. don't have to share all of your inappropriate thoughts that you've had in the last six months. Yeah. All right. Number next, I am passionate about biblical and systematic <laughs> theology, and you should be too. This is also known as I'm a Calvinist, and you should be too. Uh, <laughs> like uh, so, some preachers, you know, they're they're right after seminary, right out of seminary. They know everything, and they want you to as well. And, you know, they, they've got all, you know, Bavnik's, you know, systematic theology and frames, dogmatics, whoever, like they, that's all on their bookshelves, all of that. Like, we're not dogging any of that stuff. It's great to know that. Great to study that. But man, when Sunday morning becomes the systematic theology, like 2301 series, bro, it's a little rough. Yeah. Right, so yeah. there's a time and a place, and uh, and we should want to teach the truths that are in biblical theology and systematic theology. Like we we do teach our people about sanctification and glorification and justification and all of like we should teach all of those kinds of things along the the way. But your your sermon isn't just the seminary classroom, um, and and we have to to keep that in mind and remember that we also have people in the pews that are at various levels of understanding and, and what they can comprehend and, and how far they are to be able to dig into some of these things and and make it so that, you know, that eight, nine, ten year old kid that's saved and, and on fire Jesus and that senior saint of 70, 80, 90 years old, they're all getting something out of it. Uh that that's going to be, you know, that's a hard enough task where you don't have to make it even harder. By saying Sunday morning is going to be systematic theology twenty three oh one because people struggle to connect with that type of uh, preaching. I think some of that is is a little self explanatory. Kyle, do you want to add anything to it before we go to the next one? Because that kind of takes this yeah. side. 
Yeah, and you you, you did touch on this. Um, it, it is okay to include theology. It's okay to even include some deeper theology in your uh, in your sermons, but it has to come. And this is the beauty of text driven. It has to come as it comes up in the text, right? And so if, if you're dealing with a text um, that like, so if you're in First John, you're going to deal with some some pretty deep theology just because you're walking through the book. Um, but you don't have to impress your hearers because you know this forty dollar theology word yeah. uh, that you're going to spend more time unpacking than you are walking through the text itself. Yeah. Hey, just a fun pro tip. I I don't know if like your mileage may vary, but something that that really connected well at at Mayhill and and then the times that I've preached since in churches that even that don't really even know me is when we come to something in the text that would have like a five dollar word with it, uh, you know, sanctification or glorification or just like I'm like, you know, y'all, this speaks of justification. Say it with me: justification, justification, justification. And then I'll I'll give a quick just blurb one sentence saying of what that ultimately teaches. I'll tie it in with glorification, sanctification, all of that kind of stuff real quick. This is ultimately what, you know, is a way to understand and unpack our salvation. And that gives me another chance to ultimately share the gospel as I'm doing. It. And so when we're justified by faith, when we turn from our sins into him and faith, God completely and totally saves us, completely justifies us before him. Like it gives you a chance to do that. So there's a time and a place for that. Uh, but when, when I'm justified, it's justified, never sinned. Oh, yes. Amen. Man, that'll <laughs> preach. Yeah, I've done that before. Uh, and uh, Or atonement at, at one moment or what, you know, anyway, I've done some of those things. But but yes, and everybody has. But just a fun one is when you come to something that maybe like you're really itching to be like, hey, I really want to say this thing I learned in the systematic theology. And you find it in the scripture or whatever, like it's in your text. Like, do make it a little more interactive instead of just look how much I know of, Hey, you, you can know this too. Like this speaks of justification. Say it with me, justification. And, and then explain it on the flip side. The other way that sermons fall short is I love to make the Bible practical for people with actually, actually without actually, I can't talk Kyle. I love to make the Bible practical for people without actually explaining what it means. So. Bible's all practical. It is basic instructions before leaving earth. Woo! But I'm not going to actually explain how it helps. A song about there. that. So the Bible is practical. We know that. There's a whole lot of wisdom in it. But sometimes the, the preacher kind of moves too quickly to application without taking the time <laughs> to rightly explain and exegete the passage. So you know, this is where you know your your sermon just becomes life application Bible stu- study Bible notes, and and not taking the time to kind of dig in and and explain what this text is actually saying in its time in its context, how we then apply that today. Like this is taking the time to really do do both, and of course, oftentimes an easy way to get from that point to the other point is an illustration of being able to say, hey, this is a way to illustrate it that you may understand it. Uh, just as Jesus did, right? You know, the building a house, planting a tree, all of those kinds of things we see throughout Scripture that we can help our people. Uh, but but if it's one thing for the Bible to be practical, we have to also explain what it means. And so that's number four. Kyle, anything there? No, I think you, I think you hit on it. Um, don't don't rush too quickly to application without 
explaining why this made sense to the original hearers, because that will help your people understand and apply it in a way that's not just super shallow, uh, but they'll actually have an understanding of, of why, you know, why did Jesus, um, uh, you know, as, as, if he's standing in the temple and he's, and he's teaching, why is that important rather than just jumping to, here's what he said, here's what we should do with it, right? Yeah. All right, number five, I want to inspire you to live the purposeful, prosperous, victorious life you deserve. In other words, the your best life now, preacher. Every Amen. Friday, preacher. Encouraging, positive Caleb, preacher. No, I want to inspire you to live the purposeful, prosperous, victorious life you deserve. Yes, Jesus came that we may have life, may have it in abundance. Yes, uh, but but you got to be very very careful here. Yeah. Uh, and so let's let's talk about that a little bit, um, Kyle. So so talk us through what is somebody? Why does this fall short when somebody is all about your purpose? God has plans for you to prosper, not harm you. Not harm you. You have victory, victory in Jesus. Mm. This is what mm. you deserve, my brother. Let's talk about that. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. Um, it's incredibly shallow. And oftentimes, these types of sermons sell a false bill of good. Um, so, you know, you do these things, you're going to have a happy, healthy life. Even if, even if it's not full-blown, um, you know, prosperity gospel nonsense. The, the idea behind it is if you live this way, if, if, if you live good, good things happen to you. And that's just not always the reality, right? I mean, that, that's just not the way the world operates. In fact, I would say so much in scripture, you see people who sought to live right and things did not necessarily go well for them. Um, and, and so all throughout scripture, um, we see God working in the mess. And this, I think, seeks to remove the messiness out of uh, the Christian life, remove the messiness out of, out of sanctification. And God, God will turn your mess into a masterpiece. Ooh. Ooh. All right, that's it. Let's have the time for the choir to sing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, here, here's the deal. The gospel is not good news. Unless you realize the bad news, yep. right? Uh, and so it's it's one thing to like jump to the get out of hell free card and glory, and we're just trying to go to glory and and all that. Like it's it's great. Like I think it was Edwards that said, "Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs." Like yes, all of the, like we're not saying that life isn't to be purposeful. There's not even some measure of prosperity uh, or victory. We we sing about that. All of that kind of stuff is fine. But we have to also like keep that in balance with the horrors of hell, the ugliness of sin, and everything else. And so it's kind of like the same thing with like the Roman road. Like there's there's a reason that it starts with all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But then it transitions to some good news, and then how to ultimately receive it. And so that's that's the same thing true with your your preaching. It it can't all be the rose colored sunshine and daisy everything's going to be great prayer of jabez every sunday that kind of deal uh like it's got to be everything that because we're not promised a pain-free exciting 
me-centered life. That's the last thing that we're promised. We're essentially promised, you, you are signing up to die because we're called to die to ourselves. Uh, to hate our father and mother. Um, like what, what does that mean? You know, so that is the call to follow Christ. And, and it is a call of, of suffering. And it's a call of sweet joy and communion with the father and fellowship with him who suffered uh, on our behalf. And so like all of that stuff is beautiful and doesn't need to be avoided in our, in, in our preaching. So Kyle, I want to give a six that's not on the, in the article. I never remember honor in honor in the article. So number six is sound just like Billy Graham, Adrian Rogers, Matt Chandler, or whoever your favorite preacher is. Right? I want to just throw that one in there. Be Kyle Beerman, be Matt Hensley, be whoever it is that you are. Like I'm not saying be Kyle, be Matt, be you. Right? Uh, who you are out in the street, in the office, at the coffee shop, at home needs to be who you are in the pulpit. Don't change and be Billy Graham. Don't change and be Adrian Rogers. Don't change. And let's unpack that. Like if you never say unpack that in the regular course of your life, don't start throwing that in every sermon. Come on, are you, man. Are you, tracking, are you tracking with me? Are you, are you tracking, tracking with me? me? <laughs> like, I, I get it. And hey, like the people that I listen to regularly, sometimes I'll find some of their same mannerisms in my in my pulpit yeah. or, or in my uh, my sermons. Like I'll notice, like when I say God, like on the podcast, I'm not, I say God. I've caught myself sometimes God. I preach God. Like I, I have this God. And and it's like, it just, because there's people that I listen to that they do the same thing. And, uh, but y'all know that I can't even say readable and accurate. <laughs> and so like, if, if I sound like Adrian Rogers or whatever, or Joel Gregory rolling my R's or something like that, uh, responsibility to follow Christ. Like if I start sounding like Alistair Begg, you know, who I've been yes, listening some, to. Some, something's gone, something gone yeah, terribly That's a bonus wrong. one. Be you, man. Like, yep. God made you. God loves you. God called yes. you. God equipped you. God wants you in that pulpit. He doesn't need you, like, I don't know, identifying as Billy Graham up there. Just be yourself. Yeah. And preach. And so, so if you find, yeah, and if you find yourself, like, in any of these pitfalls, um, stop it and never do it again. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, as you do your your invitation, the buses are waiting. Throw that in there, and it, it's guaranteed <laughs> to work. Uh, hey, here, here's the thing: some of this, all in a little bit in jest, a little bit of sarcasm, kind of over the top deals. Uh, very few people are entering the pulpit saying like, "This is what I want to do." But we do sometimes maybe err in some of these areas. But but guys, one of the things that we don't want to do in this episode is beat you up with your preaching. Uh, God is using your preaching, however good, bad, or ugly you think it is. And I've got a, a tweet that will go live because I, I, like, I was writing it while I was watching baseball at like 11 o'clock. The Astros were actually winning finally. And so I was in a good mood. And I wrote this tweet about one of the, the greatest hitters of all time. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. And, and so I want to just share this as just an aside since we've kind of talked about how not to preach today. Uh, but Tony Gwynn. Uh, Tony Gwynn is not on the leaderboard for home runs, but he is on the leaderboard for singles and RBIs and uh, batting average and everything. The dude just got on base. And I started thinking about that in, in turn. Like, I, you know, right now, who gets the press is Shohei and Aaron Judge, you know, knocking out home runs, robbing one another of home runs, all that kind of like 
that's cool, all of that. And there's going to be some days that you hit an absolute bomb out of the park home run. Uh, but, but what you need to do is just keep hitting singles. Just keep being faithful. Just keep preaching the word faithfully week in and week out. As Eugene H. Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction. Just keep hitting singles. Advance the runners. Just keep hitting singles. And most of all, trust God with your faithfulness. So leave it in his hands. Trust him. And man, on Sunday, preach your heart out and then take a nap. God is still working long after you've said the closing amen. So Kyle, any final thoughts and then send us out. No, hey, you can find this at the Replant blog, uh, replantblog.com. We'll we'll link to it in the show notes as well. Thanks, Mark Halleck, for writing a fire article um, and, uh, and, and letting us reshare it on the Replant blog. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. What's wrong with you people?